proof that anyone can have a sports show. Wow. <laughs> Electric booyah bass right from Jump Street. Adam Crowley. What's up, man? On ESPN Pittsburgh. Coming up in about 20 minutes, I'll tell you why the Steelers' draft choice last night was not as bad as you think it is right now. But before we get to that, we've got Josh Getzoff of the Penguins Radio Network hopping here on the program. Josh, how are you today? Great, Adam. How are you? I'm doing well, buddy. Last night, it's not the Verizon Center anymore, but the ghosts of Verizon Center past crept up and bit the Capitals in the butt. Is that, the, is that a quintessential Penguins win over Washington? I think it is. I mean, I think it was textbook from what we've come to expect here uh, in the playoffs. And, I mean, you're right. It was, there were ghosts of Penguins and Capitals passed in that building last night times a million based on uh, the vibe in there after Patrick Hornquist scored to make it a 2-1 game. Uh, you would have thought the Penguins just went up 10 nothing with how quickly the energy was sucked <laughs> out of the building. It was pretty unbelievable to continue to watch it, and it doesn't just uh, apply to the fans in the stands. It also does a trickle down to the, the watching the Peng- or the Capitals players rather on the bench and their mannerisms. It's a, it's a strange phenomenon, but I think Penguins fans love it because it's working out in their favor. When Ovechkin missed a wide-open net, I thought, huh, this might wind up being a classic Penguins-Capitals game. But then we saw Simone hit the po- pipe. Uh, we saw... Uh, of course, Sidney Crosby get robbed by Braden Holpe. He made some great saves. We saw uh, Jake Gensel hit a pipe. We saw Broussard uh, ring one off the bar as well. I didn't think it was going to be the Penguins' night until it was, and that, I think, is kind of a microcosm of what this team has done over the last two years and now trickling into this playoff year. They find a way, even if they're not playing their best, because they've got such a quick-strike offense. They do, and you know what? This has been something, as you mentioned, we've seen the last couple of years, the goals in bunches and their timely goals at bat, uh, as we saw last night. I think it was, what, three goals in 449 or something like that. Uh, to get oh, that don't, say, don't say or something like that. You nailed uh, it. Three, 449 and uh, 17 milliseconds or something like that. I'm not <laughs> totally sure. Uh, just not, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, was, uh, it was a pretty impressive uh, effort, as you mentioned, and, and that is something that they've had, you know? Like, they've had these opportunities in the past where they've been able to score – in bunches, and they're so opportunistic as a team that I just can't even imagine how frustrating it must be to play against them, Adam. I mean, this is a team, as you mentioned, you know, that you look at games and through the first 40 minutes, you're not overly impressed with their effort. I think last night they actually had a pretty solid game going. It just was a matter of Braden Holpe playing really well uh, in the first two periods. And for that matter, he played well in the third, too, saved that five-minute gap where things got out of hand for the Caps. But, um that's the difference when you play the Penguins. If you have a five-minute gap or if you have a seven-minute gap and they can put a couple of pucks in the back of the net, ten chances are they're able to hold things down from that point forward, and we saw it again last night. Without a doubt, and Josh Getzoff of the Penguins Radio Network joins us here on the Crowley Show. It's not luck. The Capitals talked about it in their post game. Lucky bounce, the Hornquist goal, it got the Penguins going, and okay, fine. To an extent, sure, it's lucky. It's also something the Penguins work on all the time. And it's not like the Penguins were devoid of chances before that. I think they're saying what they have to say. But I imagine in the back of their minds, they know that the Penguins had a bunch of great scoring chances all night long. They did. I mean, like I said, Braden Holpe played a good game in that in that contest last night. I mean, it's, it kind of it stinks for him that the, the way the game ended, a lot of people are going to put on his shoulders because he probably should have had one of, those two, one of those three tips uh, that went past him. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that, especially the one that went straight through the five-hole. But 
when you look at how the Penguins played last night, as I said, I really didn't dislike their game. I mean, maybe, you know, the way the game started, obviously you knew the Capitals were going to come out firing. To get a goal 17 seconds in was a huge bonus for them. And, you know, credit Kuznetsov, nice shot on the first shot of the game that beats Murray clean. I mean, that was a... (laughs) <laughs> That's a tough situation if you're Matt Murray right there. And for the Penguins to go down early, it's a tough situation. But I felt like from the second half of the first period on, they really started to tilt the ice in their favor. And you mentioned Simone hits the uh, post. Uh, you had um, Sidney Crosby getting denied point blank in front. Gensel was denied on the doorstep on a backdoor pass, which was a beautiful setup that Holtby was able to slide across and make saves on. And I think there was a lot to draw from from an offensive perspective for the Penguins in that game, despite the fact that they went scoreless in the first two periods. So when the Capitals went up 2 nothing, I don't know if there was really any panic. I mean, you're sitting there watching the game, I'm sure wherever uh, most Penguins fans were watching last night, whether it was at home or in Washington, and I don't know if anyone was really that nervous. It, it was a bad goal to give up in the sense that it was an early goal of the period from Alex Ovechkin, but I don't know if it was a, a backbreaker as some would, as it probably would have been in the opposite direction if you were talking it, uh, from the Penguins' goal against the Capitals early in a period. So I think that they had a lot that they were going right for them in their game last night, and they obviously were able to be rewarded for it uh, in that chunk of time where they scored three. Josh, Matt Murray never panics, just like the team. I don't know how much you are involved on Twitter during the game because you got your stuff going on, but... I was about to throw my computer through a damn wall because I saw <laughs> at least 10 people tweet. Oh, Matt Murray, second time in a row beating on the glove hand. And my God, it's Evgeny Kuznetsov on the first shift of the game. He's as creative as it comes in this league, and he scores. I'm not putting that on Murray. And then it's a generational goal scorer walking down, and he fires one. And yeah, it's glove side, but it's also an invisible puck. I'm not putting any of that on Murray. It makes me mad. In fact, I'm going to throw my computer right now. <laughs> Did he not? What more does this guy need to do to get the benefit of the doubt from Penguins fans? He stole the game last night, too. He did. You know, it's funny that you mentioned those two, but you don't hear a lot of people talking about the save he made on Brett Connolly after the Penguins took a 3-2 lead. That's sliding across save with the right pad and the paddle, which is just ridiculous there in the third period. But, you know what, I'm with you. I mean, good luck stopping Evgeny Kuznetsov from about 20 feet out. Uh, for the first shot of the game with him getting good wood on the puck. And, you know, I think it's interesting also to to point it on Murray in that situation because Kuznetsov is alone coming down the slot there for a reason, that there wasn't very good defensive adjustments for the Penguins, and Jake Gensel didn't do a very good job back-checking. And that's why he was wide open coming down the middle of the yeah. ice. So uh, you could also may- maybe say Chris Letang played that a little bit off as far as the pass from Ovechkin to Kuznetsov, and I think Letang probably didn't play the Ovechkin goal uh, all that well. I'm not taking everything away from Matt Murray, but for people, I'm with you, for people to potentially put those two goals and, and say that you know the other 32 saves are a wash because he gives in a shot over his glove hand, I'm not going to buy that any day of the week with how Matt Murray's performed in the playoffs. No, absolutely not. And again, I just, oh, what do you got to do? What, I mean, what do you got to do? Uh and everyone loves Flurry now because he's in Vegas and, oh, we love you. You want a couple of cups. I mean, he got the same kind of treatment here in Pittsburgh. And yep. I, I think Pittsburgh has a lot of great hockey fans. Uh, I'm a Penguins fan. But I think there are also a, a lot of fans that see the puck in the back of the net. And then when the camera cuts the goalie, they think, oh, it must be his fault. And I just got to breathe. I got to breathe. I just got to breathe. I got to get a, brown, a brown, <laughs> brown paper bag, Josh. And uh, Josh gets off with us here. Uh, on the Crowley Show, that first line of Gensel, Crosby, and Hornquist, I said going into the series, play the Ovechkin line even. And because of the depth, if the Penguins are healthy, they're going to have a really good shot to win the series. But I feel like I didn't do enough 
uh, I, I did a disservice to Crosby and Gensel for the way that they've played thus far. All it takes is a snap of the fingers and the puck's going into the back of the net, but uh, they are, that line has so much chemistry, uh, and those three work so well together that I don't care if you've got Ovechkin and Kuznetsov on the other side. You're going to have an advantage no matter who is on the ice against you. Yeah, well, I mean, Mike Sullivan, I thought, had an interesting line about Sidney Crosby today. He spoke to the media in the teleconference here as Penguins didn't skate uh, in Washington. Um, and, by the way, I went to a museum today on the off day. I would highly recommend it. It was awesome. Which museum? Um, the Newseum, N-E-W. Oh, boy. So, yeah, oh, yeah. If you're if you're a news geek like me, this is uh, something you got to check out. Are you cool. a news geek? I am a news geek, yeah. Little known fact. There you go. Wow. Breaking news. Yeah. Breaking news from the news geek. <laughs> uh, anyway, let's get back to the questions you asked me. Uh, I think when you look at what the uh, the Penguins have, and I thought it was interesting what Mike Sullivan said today as far as uh, Sidney Crosby is concerned. He, he said he was asked about his play in the playoffs, and obviously we've seen him win back-to-back Conn Smythe trophies, but I think this postseason he's been even better uh, on the full body of work from what we've seen. And he said yeah. he doesn't think Sid is necessarily a quote-unquote different player in the playoffs. He thinks he's just an elite player who realizes that the stakes are a little bit higher right now. And I don't think there are many players in the league that would not necessarily have to be a different player when it comes to the playoffs. You know, Sidney Crosby, if you really look at what he's doing within his game, Mike Sullivan's right. He's not changing a whole lot. He's playing very similarly to how he did in the postseason or in the regular season. There may just be, obviously, a little bit more of uh, a push in his game just in the sense of the time of year and the desire to win that we know he has. But I don't think that he's necessarily changed anything in particular about it. With that being said, Jake Gensel, I mean, Man, this guy has been fitting like a glove for Crosby as far as the line mate. And we know, we've seen it in the past, not everyone works with him. Um, and Jake Gensel is a guy who Mike Sullivan's been able to plug in there, and they've obviously had a lot of success together. And uh, I think that they're, what they're doing right now is you know, something that, if you're going to catch fire during a time of year, this is the time of year you want to do it uh, with Gensel and Crosby, and they seem to be on another planet right now. And then you throw in Hornquist, and he gets that to redirect on the first goal last night. Uh, I, he was my guy to watch this series as far as what he could do to the Capitals and maybe just be a, a, an agitator and a pest for Braden Holpe, and the goals are a plus, obviously, for him. But uh, to get that last night and that line, I'm with you. I mean, that was a, a line that, you know, they, they also, if people want to attack Matt Murray, they got scored on in the first shift of the game Yeah. Uh, with Evgeny Kuznetsov. But then they also ended up scoring all three goals the Penguins scored in the game. So revisionist history is always 20-20. And uh, it was a, a good good effort by that group last night. It is, and I, I thought that they had a lot of good moments early. I also thought there were some bad moments. Crosby on a two-on-one dropped the, the pass to no oh, one. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was ugly. Uh, I may or may not have thrown my cat at the TV. It's okay. <laughs> Cat's fine. Penguins won the game anyway. We're all good. Uh, I thought that the quote from Mike Sullivan that you brought up, uh, really, if you wanted to pick a moment that illustrated that, was when Crosby scored, his reaction he, the, the way he screamed, uh, and they zoomed in on it on the NBC Sports broadcast, uh, that guy knows what's at stake. He, he just does. And, and uh, anybody who's played sports, and I have played uh, hockey at the D-League level, so I know 100% what it's all about. Uh, I think you know when the game's more important, and he absolutely, without a doubt, does. Uh, on the flip side, Ovechkin played a pretty good game. I mean, he, he scores a goal, he sets up the other one. The area pass to Kuznetsov was a really good play. Uh, he was in position uh, almost on two of the goals scored, but at the same time, it's almost. And at the same time, he missed a wide-open net. Uh, I feel like if you boil his career down, it was almost that game. Uh, puts a point. Also, he's on the other end of a couple minuses. Uh, to me, it was a, a quintessential Alex Ovechkin night. It, 
it was, and you know what? I'm with you. I think I heard an interesting comparison yesterday that somebody, I can't remember who it was, yesterday in the press room before the game, someone was talking about the Crosby Ovechkin dynamic, and they said that this can't really be a bird versus magic type of situation. And I kind of perked up. I'm like, bird versus magic? Who's talking about that? And then, and then the guy said, because Ovechkin has never won, which is a pretty interesting thing. When you peel it back and think about it, he's never beaten Sid. So this comparison of them, uh, I think that's a valid point. It, it almost is kind of moot until he does, whether that's with Team Russia, which obviously doesn't look like it's ever going to happen at this point, uh, with the Washington Capitals, with Chu Nose now after how that series started last night. So I think it's interesting to, to kind of look at that. And you're right. It seems like he's always just one notch below uh, when the two of them get head-to-head. And that's uh, – when you say one notch below Sidney Crosby, you know we're still talking about a pretty darn good hockey player sure thing. Uh, with Alex Ovechkin. Um, I'm not trying to disrespect him at all by saying something like that. I'm just saying that you're looking at Sidney Crosby who's the best player in the world, most accomplished current player in the game right now. Uh, and Alex Ovechkin's still chasing him. And he still doesn't have what he has as far as the cups. He doesn't have the Olympic gold. Uh, he doesn't have the con smite. And, you know, I think that it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of this series plays out because Ovechkin has been a little outspoken in the beginning of this series just about how much he's ready to finally overcome this, this demon that has been the Penguins and Sidney Crosby and get past them. But uh, I agree with you. I felt like he put his best forward, foot, best foot forward last night. That missed net, uh, missed chance on the empty net, I should say. Uh, in the first period definitely was something that'll haunt him a little bit. But I think, I think he was pretty good in game one and I'd be, expecting more of the same from him as this series continues because him and Sid seem to bring out the best in each other. Josh, always great, man. Appreciate your time, as always. Of course, Adam. Great talking to you. Be good. Josh gets off Penguins Radio Network. There he goes. I love the Joe Starkey quote in the Post-Gazette, and I realize he's on the air right now uh, across the street. Eh, whatever. Great quote. The puck evaded Alex Ovechkin on Crosby's goal like it was a Stanley Cup. I think it sums it up pretty darn good. More on the pens coming up at 540 with our friend Will Graves, the Gravedigger, coming up next. we got to talk about what was a bizarre draft night for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. Hey, everyone, want to know what's new at Haas's? Ridiculous prices, great deals, and great values. Not everyone is hungry enough to want our famous salad bar, so get your favorite meals with a hot side, side salad, and a roll for less, way less. You can still get the salad bar if you want. Now, it's your choice. Get our six-ounce succulent sirloin steak dinner for just $9.99. That's it. $9.99. Hosses, real good people serving real American food. Yeah, Mia Khalifa is the perfect Washington Capitals fan because the Penguins, they just busted that thing wide open last night. Yep. Yeah, I mean... I guess they didn't really blow them out. It was closer. I don't want to get anal here, but it was 3-2. It, was it wasn't a blowout. ESP. Terrell Edmonds just wrapped up his press conference at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. I will be there from 9 o'clock until midnight doing some draft coverage with Dale Lolly and Matt Williamson. Looking very much forward to that. I've been there the last three years. I didn't know if I was going to be involved this year. I am. I'm excited. With the transition from Steelers Nation Radio to ESPN Pittsburgh, I didn't know it was going to be in the cards. And now I'm fired up because Williamson knows a frig ton about the draft, as does Lolly. It's going to be a blast. Please tune in. iHeartRadio and, of course, here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Terrell Edmonds just reading some of his quotes. Easily likable guy. Somebody you might want to have a beer with. 
Although I don't know if he's into it because he's that big of a football guy. He'll learn one day, though. He'll be okay. He seems like a good dude. He can fly. He ran the best 40 time out of any of the free and strong safeties in the NFL draft this year, and he's an athletic freak. Now, he had an injury issue this last year, had a bad shoulder. He says he's 100% healthy. He was cleared a month ago. So all these things, good news for the Steelers and for you Steelers fans. Here's the deal, though. He was not ranked highly on a lot of draft boards nationally. He hadn't been talked about much here locally. He was the fourth round graded inside linebacker for John Ledger. He was ranked 70th by Mike Mayock. He was Mel Kuyper's eighth ranked seven, uh, safety pardon me, on the board. He's got a lot of upside. He's a physically gifted specimen. He's a project, though, and he's not somebody I think you want coming in and starting day one, although the Steelers have not been loath to do that over the last couple of years. They've done it a bunch. I am a huge Kevin Colbert fan. He's a really good dude. He's a tremendous general manager. He found Le'Veon Bell in the second round. The best running back in football, second round pick. Best wide receiver in football, a sixth round pick. Emmanuel Sanders, really good wide receiver. He was a third round pick. Martavis Bryant had 17 touchdowns in his first 32 NFL games. He was a fourth round pick. He's found some diamonds in the rough. He's also drafted all pros such as DeCastro and Pouncey. Cam Hayward made that list this year. He's one of the best general managers in the league. This roster he's got right now, not far off. It is a Super Bowl caliber roster. There's my disclaimer. Fans get so carried away with criticism, and they freak out because they don't think the national pundits like the pick. Just because the national pundits don't like the pick doesn't mean Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin are incompetent. I don't love the Steelers' recent trend of drafting some projects and hoping that they can develop them because, frankly, they haven't done a great job of developing some of those guys. But it doesn't mean that I know more than Kevin Colbert, and it doesn't mean that they didn't do the right thing. This guy could very well be an outstanding player. As for the development of other guys that they've brought in, I'm always on team draft a more finished product, especially when you've got a franchise quarterback who's not going to be around for all that long a time. If the Steelers took this guy on day two, I think everyone's ecstatic. And I think he might have had a chance to be there. But Artie and Sean Davis were raw players who were brought in and asked to play probably earlier than they should have. And I didn't see a big step from their first year to this year. That's a development problem. And when you draft projects, you have to develop them. Now, T.J. Watt was ready to step in last year, and he did so. He played well. Bud Dupree, not so much. He played early but was a project, and I don't think he got better from two years ago to last year. Now, they've had success with both. Juju Smith-Schuster was young, but he was a possession receiver and really not that much of a reclamation-type guy. I like the plug-and-play guy more, and they've had more success with that guy. But here's why it's not terrible. The players I mentioned mostly are secondary guys. Joey Porter's still around, and I don't think he's done a great job developing. Cornell Lake, I don't think did a good job either. He's no longer here. The Steelers do feel better about putting Edmonds in the hands of Tom Bradley, and I can get behind that. He's a reach. He's a project. But a reach is never a reach if you believe in that guy. And Kevin Colbert obviously does. I'm going to defer to him more times than not. I'm just going to. Uh, he knows what he's doing more than I know what he's doing. Uh, that's just the reality. It's not my favorite pick, but I'm not going to kill him for it. What do you think about it? 
412-922-2874. There's been a lot of vocal people on Twitter. Let me get to some of those right now. John says, can you see the Steelers picking Kaiser White in the late rounds if he's there? Uh, that's the West Virginia safety. He's a really good player, but no, they now have a bunch of safeties on this roster. Uh, J.C. Yambo said, love the pick. Assume this means Sean Davis' no- days are numbered in the 412. No, you dumb-dumb. Sean Davis still going to, I mean, I mean, come on. I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. Sharkbite says, should have been Mason Rudolph. Safety's a problem, but quarterback is a difference between 6-10 and 10 or 10-6 and 6 when Ben retires. It's over, Steelers Nation, until they find a franchise quarterback. Hey, Sharkbite, here's the thing, pal. They have Ben right now. Do what you can to build around that guy. If they take Mason Rudolph later in the draft, I still wouldn't love it because I want to see all the first three or four picks of this draft go towards helping the current club, but I don't think I'd hate it. It can't be that way right now, though. It can't be the first-round pick, a quarterback. No, 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 no. Do what you can to help the quarterback that you have. Carl says it blows. Yikes. John says, at best, he was the seventh-rated safety, and only two were taken ahead of him. Doesn't seem like the right move. Yeah, but he was seventh-rated by Kuiper, or he was eighth-rated by Kuiper, seventh by Mayock, guys like that, and okay, but apparently he was one of the top-rated safeties by Kevin Colbert. Who do you trust more? That's what it all boils down to. That's what matters. The general manager, who has done a pretty darn good job getting your vote of confidence. Steve said he wishes that the Steelers traded up and got a linebacker. It's okay to uh, trade up. It worked well with that Troy Polamalu kid. Yeah, I agree. That's what I said yesterday on the show. I would like to see them trade up and get a guy like that. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen, and I really thought that they were going to trade up once they traded Martavis Bryant. With Bryant, you got a guy who could win now. He'll help you. Ben Roethlisberger's going to love it. The Steelers got rid of a rostered player to create another hole at wide receiver. If they could have traded that pick to move up in the draft, I'd have been cool with it. They didn't, and that hurts. I imagine that they will try to take a wide receiver in the third round. But getting a third-round pick for Bryant is damn good value. Nice return on investment. He played for the team three out of four years. He was the fourth-round pick. He just netted a third. And the Steelers are clearly getting rid of locker room jabroni guys. At least the ones that might do more harm than good. Bryant, Mitchell, Harrison, they all got kicked to the curb. With the Steelers' track record of drafting wide receivers, they'll be able to fill this hole, though. I'm not ecstatic, but ultimately I think it will wind up, given their track record, of being a good move. Let's go to Chase and Shaler next up on the Crowley Show. What's up, man? Yeah, Mr. Crowley. Hey, um, I sort of disagree with you, man, because <laughs> with, with as many diamonds in the rough as you've mentioned about Kevin Colbert finding, uh, there's been that many Bud Dupree's and Jarvis Joneses. And, I mean, I do think he's a good general manager. I, I wouldn't trade him for anyone, but I don't think the Steelers are at the point anymore where we don't have the right to question their pick. No, it's fine. You can absolutely question it. There's no doubt about that. I'm not, I'm not going to go quite that far. But I think that any general manager ever is going to have busts. That's a reality. Anyone. I think Kevin Colbert has limited the busts, and I think that he's had the diamonds in the rough succeed so much so that... I cannot wait to walk into the Steelers' UPMC Rooney Sports Complex tonight smelling like the Carson City Saloon, which is booze and nicotine. And it's not because I'm drinking. It's not because I'm smoking. It's nothing like that. It's because the whole bar is smoking. 
and I, I just feel like I'm getting drunk via osmosis. Will Graves is going to jump on here in a second. He just tweeted this out. About to jump on the Crowley Show, who just pronounced excoriate correctly, so we should be good. Yeah, I'm pretty good with the verbiage, aren't I, Graves? It was. I'd like to think that it would, was my in, a little bit of my influence trying to use big words. Yeah, I don't do that very often. In fact, a lot of people confuse me and Tim Benz on the air because we're both young-sounding and uh, immature and uh, sometimes <laughs> hyper. Uh, right, but, but you're actually young. I am, I am actually young, and, and as we all know, uh, Tim Benz is the official vampire of the Crowley Show, so he's, he's the undead, um, but he uses big words because he went to Syracuse, and he is very smart. I went to West Virginia, and I only learn big words whenever I see them on my toilet paper. Uh, Graves, are you going to be at the UPMC Rooney Sports Conference? I will. I was, I was wondering where you were last night. I missed you. I was watching Puck, man. Everyone I like was watching Puck. How about that? How about this? How about, you know, such are the spoiled... Pittsburgh fans that they can watch their two-time defending Stanley Cup champions torment the Caps and still have an hour before their NFL team draft because their team is always good in drafts at 11 o'clock at night. So these are first-world problems for Pittsburgh. It is first-world problems because Capitals fans probably had to flip the channel immediately after the Crosby goal to see when the Redskins were picking. Yeah, I mean, they got the Via kid, you know, or no, the, the Payne kid, right? And I don't think he's going to be chasing down Saquon Barkley. I'll put you that way. So, I mean, it's the Redskins are, I mean, everybody, all three, look, that, that's my hometown. All three teams in the Nats now are not that good at either. Not that I mean, they're all like, they, I would never accuse the Nats or the Caps or the Wizards or the Redskins of having an abundance of heart. So No, and I guess we should, huh, we can start with either the draft or the Penguins game. Let's start with the Pens, though, because that's where my heart is right now. Last night, I think, almost perfectly encapsulated what that series has been, uh, what that rivalry has been over the course of the last couple of decades, where Ovechkin scores, and I think Caps fans were feeling okay at that point. Uh, The building was really loud, but our friend here, a bartender at the Carson City Saloon, was at the game, and he said when Hornquist scored that goal, it went silent, and they knew what was going to happen. Right, I mean, it's just like last year when, you know, Flower gets his you know, the butt end of his stick on that Ovechkin shot from Ovechkin's spot and, you know, to preserve a one-goal lead. And right then, the game was over. I mean, like, that's just – you are conditioned after a while. You develop these sort of emotional calluses that sort of make it not hurt so bad as it did 20 years ago because you know what's coming. But the flip side of that is you know what's coming. So that's just uh, – that you know, I mean, it's I, – so I was in the Steelers' room. The game was not on. The draft was on. But people were watching on their computer. And, like, they would sort of, you know, oh, it's 2 nothing, you know, oh, it's 2 nothing, oh, it's 2 nothing, And then, like, 10 minutes later, it was 3-2. And, and, like, I just <laughs> would laugh every time because it's just my buddies. I mean, like, my buddies from from home that are season ticket holders texting me, man, rock the red, this is the year, all this stuff, and cricket after about 9.45 last night, cricket. So I, f- I fell for it, too, though, Graves. I-, I did, and I can't believe I did. And, in fact, I'm very mad at myself. I've been saying all week long that – these Capitals are really good, and the Penguins are good, but the Penguins have their flaws too, and that this series is going to be tight, and it is going to be tight. And I said, be careful, Penguins fans, to be overconfident, because this might be the year. And I'm wrong. It's not the year. It's never the year. It's never going to be the year. I'm an idiot. I mean, the, the Pens can say, and I was in there on Tuesday or Wednesday, can't remember which, and trying to pin them down, you know, when you have it on somebody, and you always beat them, is there a mental advantage when it's tight? And they're like, oh, no, every year is difficult. Come on. I mean, just you're lying, Sid. You're lying. You're being polite. You're lying. I, I have zero doubt. As soon as it was two-one, the game was over. As soon as it was two-one, 
And the Capitals just like they they just are fragile. They've never had a player in this group to make it, you know, to really, really, really deliver. I mean, the most what's the what's the most important Capitals moment since uh, since Joey Juno got him into the Cup Finals in '98 when he scored an OT against uh, uh, against Hasek? Uh, it is it is Joel Ward, who by the way has been out of town for about ten years, getting an OT winner in Game Seven in Boston. Oh, and then by the way. They blew a three-one lead the next series to the Rangers. I mean, it's just, this is their move. They do not have the chops to to deliver. They just don't. And and the Penguins do. It's it, and it, it's just sort of five of you. I mean, like if you if you're into sadism, it's kind of a hell of a series to watch. <laughs> it is it is torture. I mean, like half Twitter is Steelers Twitter when they play the Patriots. It's the same. Uh, it's the same thing. You're so right about that. And it's funny because I was just about to bring that up. Steelers fans, I think there's always a little nugget of hope, and then the ball's kicked off, and there's just not anymore. And when Crosby scored last night to make it 2-2, I said, oh, my God, I actually, for the first time in my life, legit have empathy for Capitals fans. Uh, Because, I mean, that's Brady spiking the ball in the end zone and then looking at the Heinz Field crowd and basically saying, you can't touch this. Ovechkin slamming his stick off the end boards, Crosby screaming into the camera shot on NBC Sports Network, and... Uh, I laughed, but also I think my internal monologue was, oh, boy, do I feel bad for those people. Really? I mean, they keep showing up every year. I mean, they keep packing the building. and, and it's, They're rocking it's, that red, man. They are, and it's Lucy with, with the football, and the caps are perennially Charlie Brown. I mean, it's just does – that, does that mean the series is over? No, but, I mean, does, is there anybody that has watched this for more than five minutes think that if it's a tight, if it, in the moment that will decide the series – that the guys in red, white, and blue are going to make the play that's going to decide the series? Does anybody actually believe that? I don't think. I don't even know if the guys in that room believe that because they've never done it. And here we are. Will Graves from the Associated Press joining me here on the Crowley Show. A lot of Murray hate in the early going last night on Twitter, and ugh, there's nothing that makes me want to throw my phone through the TV than people ripping on the goalie who just won the Stanley Cup in back-to-back years and played a huge role in that, especially when neither of the first two goals were his fault. And my question is, how does he buy enough equity to not get peed on by Penguins fans in those type of moments? And Well, well there, there's a part of the problem is the guy that they loved, except when they hated him in 2013 right? and 2012, when they hated him, the guy that they love is lights out right now. He so, is. I mean, that, that makes it harder... By comparison, but these are your spoiled brat penguin fans. They are. I mean, this is, you know, I mean, Murray they're the worst. Still Twenty, what he's twenty-four. He's not even twenty-four. He turns twenty-four like in a month, right? I mean, come on, the guy's he's a kid. He's got two cups. He's got his name on the cup twice. He's not old enough to rent a car without paying extra. I mean, give it a rest, people. Well, and the funny thing is, I draw draw this comparison. Kevin Colbert drafts. Uh, Terrell Ed- Ed- Edmonds, Edwards, whatever the hell his name is. Uh, he drafted the guy last night. People didn't want him to draft. And it set fire to the Steelers is the way that I'm reading things right now. A lot of people chiming in on Twitter. Oh, my God, I can't be- believe that they made uh, the Terrell Edmonds pick that they did. And, I mean, what's that guy got to do to buy enough street cred well, in it's tough. I mean, it's tough. When you write a sentence that says the last first round safety the Steelers took in the first round was Troy Polamalu. I mean, that's that's a hard... That's not his fault. It's not his. Just like it wasn't. Um, you know, I love Darius Hayward Bay. I love him. He is a good dude. Capital D, capital D. But he will forever have the Raiders thinking, "Dude, that guy's so fast. I don't really care if he can't catch." And taking him so high, and that follows him forever. And I yeah. love him. 
And he's know, really so good. At, and he's really good for the role that they have him in now. It's yeah. not his fault he got drafted so high. It is not. What's he supposed to say? I'm, well, I'm really like a day two talent. So can you wait till tomorrow? I mean, come on. I mean, you know, the thing is with the, the linebackers that they wanted were gone, and so they took the best athlete on the board. And you, you know, I, you're right. I was I was listening uh, before I came on. I would have loved for them to take Lamar Jackson. But you can't do that, right? You just can't. No. So if you're not going to take the quarterback of the future in the first round, you might as well punt until the fourth or fifth and just get somebody another camp arm. You think they should have drafted right? a punter? Well, I don't. Look, I, I think they learned their lesson last year. They're not going to have. There, there will be no long snappers or kickers or punters selected this year. <laughs> I think they. That was totally like, look how good we are. We're so good, we can waste a pick on a long snapper. Yeah. So. All right, Pete. I mean, like, hold up. The kid's pretty good. Look, Edmonds might be pretty good. He's big. You know, he's a physical guy. I like Sean Davis. He just needs to learn some discipline. I mean, that's, you know, he's just, he, these young guys, they go for the kill shot every time instead of just, just tackle your guy. Just tackle your guy. Will Graves, AP, joining me here on the Crowley Show. I find it odd, and maybe, maybe it's not all that odd altogether, actually, now that I think about it, that. Jung Ho Gung is going to be here in the States just as peace has been agreed upon in the Koreas. <laughs> I mean, was the, was this guy's DUI culture what was keeping these two places apart? What the hell happened? It, it, it might have been. And, and look, look I, I was in South Korea during the Olympics, and I saw pirate gear. I saw legit pirate gear in South Korea in the middle of February. Well, that's 8, because Bob, miles Nutt- away. Bob Nutting knew that the market in Pittsburgh's not quite there, so he's just shipping <laughs> that stuff overseas. I, I think everybody, look, I mean, I think everybody was – including the Pirates, was caught off guard. I, I think, you know, to listen to Cervelli say yesterday, you know, the fans love him. I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. I think, and I think unlike Le'Veon Bell, I think it's going to take more than a, a two-home-run game against somebody to kind of <laughs> get right. for Jung-Ho to kind of, if he ever if he ever plays Major League Baseball again, which, which there is zero guarantee. Absolutely. Uh, especially the way he played in winter ball this year. I mean, my God. Uh, you know who I love, Will? I love my wife, and I'd rather her not get run over by drunk ho gung. I mean, no, I mean my wife. I mean my wife. The same thing when we were talking yesterday after the it came out, and I was writing the story, and she's like, she's like what? And she's like, I'm assuming they're just going to have an Uber driver like attached to him, like that's his that's his low jack as an actual Uber driver. I would yeah, love I, for that to be my side gig. Jung ho's Uber driver. That would. Oof. Be I awesome. mean, I, the thing is, he doesn't have his license. I mean, like, he doesn't have his driver's license in the United States. I mean, and he lives within, he, he lived within the short distance of the ballpark. It's just, how do you, I mean, he torched the team, any, any legitimate chance they had last year of, of contending. He and Mar, he is missing him and having Marte miss half the season, torched the season. So that, and he's not as good as Marte, and he can't, he doesn't have that sort of, I mean, Marte kind of, look, is A, a phenomenally talented guy, and B, sort of has a charisma about him. Jung Ho doesn't have that. He's got swagger, but you shouldn't have swagger anymore because guess what? You got three DUIs, and basically we're barred from leaving your country for 18 months. And so that's, you know, who, who knows? I mean, maybe they, they get him back into shape and they try to they ship him to someplace, to, you know, out west. You know, obviously there's large, there's an Asian influence in, in, in California. Maybe he maybe goes to the Mariners. Maybe that's what they do. It's, I mean, it's, it's I'm not, I can't think of one player that's sort of been out that long that comes back and is an impact player for that city after kind of going through something like that. I can't think of anybody. No, I think so. Josh Josh Hamilton did something similar, but he was also really good at baseball. And I'm not sure that 
Zheng Hogong is as good of a player. And in fact, he's not as he was. Uh, Will, I got to let you run, ma'am. I will see you uh, down the street in a couple of hours at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. I'm going to high-five you, and I might lick your face like Brad Marchant. That's fine. And, hey, I'm with you. Seeing Shazir last night, uh, wonderful and still unsettling at the same time. But you know what? Let's just enjoy the fact that he's walking and, and leave it at that for now. So, Couldn't agree more. See you, buddy. See you, dude. Will Graves, Associated Press. Zheng Hogong. Hit 143 in the Dominican Winter League last year. I'm pretty sure he blew a higher blood alcohol content in his third DUI in Korea. 143. I mean, that's like a Saturday for me. And this guy's driving. Coming up next. Man, was last night perfect Penn's caps. It does not get better than that if you're a Penguins fan, and it does not get more typical than that if you are a Capitals fan. It's the Crowley Show. 